love my delete later. I bloody hope you do. You can support our show by using the new ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. Just smash that link in the show description and support us now so we can keep making this podcast. Thank you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to Mike the Leak Later with me, Stevie Martin, a person who feels social media is a soul-sucking comparison machine. And me, Gina Martin, who feels it gives as much to the soul as it sucks. Okay. We, <laughs> we go through people we find interesting social media timelines and we look at their first, worst and best posts while excavating their relationship with social and asking them, what do you really think though? Our guest today started off life as a blogger. I've known her for years. Um, she then became a social media manager, which is when I worked with her. And she's now the podcaster behind the smash hit podcast, Control-Alt-Delete, as well as having her third book out. But it is her first novel, first fiction book coming out called Olive, which is about a woman weighing up the question of wanting children. It's going to be great. Yes. Um, when you think of yellow, you think of Emma Gannon. It's a pleasure to have her uh, with us today, the woman in yellow. And we had a really, really good chat, didn't we? We really did. We talked a lot about kind of promoting yourself on social media, how sometimes that can be really hard. Um, also how, like, jealousy on social media as well. And I think that is something that I've struggled with a lot. And Emma is very, very good. She's always used social media in a very professional sense so it's sometimes really good to talk to her because it makes me feel quite inspired you know mm, yeah it makes you feel less bad about shouting about your your work and seeing social as a business tool because I think we still see it as a personal thing and then we feel uncomfortable if it goes into business whereas yeah. it makes you feel a bit less guilty when you when you sit and talk to her about stuff you, you you really understand why she does it that way she's also a brilliant writer so do go and buy her book Oliver it is out now and it's a wonderful for anyone who's ever, ever any woman or anybody who's ever been like I'm not sure not sure I want kids and am I wrong absolutely buy it yeah i'm really looking forward to reading it also stunning cover mm. um so for today's episode you can go to Mike delete later pod on instagram and you'll find all the posts we discussed with emma and more but we hope you like today's episode and yeah enjoy just sit back guys let it wash over you take a seat wash <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on Might Delete Later, Emma Gallon. Friend, friend and, um, and I was going to say lover, but it's not, but could be. <laughs> could be. Could be. Why well, not? Who knows? I'll see you later, Paul. <laughs> the name of Emma's uh, actual lover. So, what would you, Emma Gannon, like to, de- like to delete this week, if you could? I would like to delete motorbikes that are so insensitive and just go past my window basically polluting my eardrums yes why is that not illegal do you know i'm turning what? into an old woman that's like turn it down 
turn your motorbike down. Apparently they're not meant to be that loud. My boyfriend drives a motorbike and it's silent as a whistle. That's not a phrase. And he said, no, nah, when people do that, it's just them showing off. They haven't... It's something engineering to make them loud, which is so annoying and, and not fair. I genuinely thought I'm going to text Gina and ask her how to start a campaign to <laughs> stop it happening. <laughs> Can you imagine if it was like you literally turned into a campaigner against <laughs> motorbikes? Everyone would be like, that's a bit left field for your brand. They'll be it? like, wow, using all your energy for that. Great. <laughs> yeah, that's mad. <laughs> all right, Stevie, what are you deleting this week? I would delete mornings. Only because, only because, I it's, de- it's deeper than one would think. It's because the entire world is set up to for people to do nine to fives and if you get up in the morning and you do like your writing in the morning before lunch then that shows that you for some reason we've been indoctrinated to believe that that is better writing than if you did it at like between 1 p.m and 6 p.m which is technically more hours but you like you need to be doing it at 6 a.m just it's like workouts you have to be doing yeah, workouts no, at 6 a.m otherwise it's just not as good as if you do anything else it's like no that's not true and i've spent a lot of my time being upset that i haven't got up at six and i, I don't think i've ever got up at six so you can understand how upset i am quite regularly and tomorrow i have to do an interview at 8 30 and when she asked when she was, okay it's about 8 30 i went oh, sorry and she was like oh there's a horrible pause and it was like oh yeah that's like a normal time that people will do things we have names but I for stevie in the morning because me and stevie anyway, do briefings so- on the podcast early and uh stevie's lover calls her the void I call her grumble and this morning we had to do a 10am briefing which is like let's be honest quite late for most people 10am is fine me and Stevie were just texting each other like I'm really angry and I'm taking an angry wee because I'm so angry about being up at 10am yeah. it's like oh my god just get on with your lives girls it's so annoying but the thing is if you don't have to you shouldn't have to and True. I hate that I'm being forced into it by my own brain anyway Gina what would you delete this week um, this week I would delete summer clothes made of nylon. Yes. When summer comes around, I get very anxious about the clothes I'm going to wear because obviously most and all women feel like their bodies being on show is an issue for a plethora of reasons. Or not all women, some women. But I feel very uncomfortable in summer. I get lots of more catcalls. Uh, I'm not particularly confident with my body like a lot of women aren't. And you should all... stop being so sexy. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, See, I'm just... this is why it's fun doing a podcast with you because no one would ever say that to me apart from you. <laughs> and yeah and all the summer clothes that you can buy I mean I haven't now bought fast fashion for years but I feel like most of the summer clothes are like made out of nylon and they're clingy and it's like when I wear a t-shirt I want a boxy cut cotton t-shirt the guys get to wear I don't want it to be like v-cut and like tiny sleeves and like cinched in at the waist I just want to wear comfortable clothes and I'm bored of nylon clingy summer ones and nylon smells as well so you wear it for one hour oh my and then God. you're like I smell like a beef. train I was gonna say <laughs> I smell like a beefy train that's awful. Not right. good. So, Not yeah. good. Good deletions, everybody. Right. Emma. Emma. on. <laughs> so, I wanted to ask you a question. Because I've known you for a long time. Years and years. And I... The one too long. First, too, actually, to be honest, <laughs> it is too long. We need to stop. Um, take a break. I have always thought, especially early on when not everyone was using Instagram and Twitter in the same way, whereas now lots of people use it like this, but I'd still say you are the best at this. You were very, very good at promoting yourself and your work, like talks you were doing, just like things you were doing in your life. You were very good at presenting yourself in a very professional way, in a way that made you look like you were always doing doing hot business. And in control. And in control of, of what your image was. Were you always so cool with that at the start? And have you ever had any like pushback from it? It's a really good question. I guess I always knew from a very, not 
a really early age, that would be weird, walking around as a five-year-old being like, I'm going to build my personal brand now. Um, but I definitely felt like we were moving into an era where your online presence was going to be really important, whether we liked it or not. And I just felt really lucky that it was something I felt naturally kind of inclined to do and confident with it. And I think I just always thought that, you know, the reason we buy magazines is because we love The Columnist. Mm-hmm. I felt like that's kind of where I wanted to go is if I had some sort of brand that I could kind of own, then hopefully I would always be employed. Mm. And I don't know whether it's like this millennial fear that almost like it was an armour to protect myself, to just make myself more employable. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. I was just so worried that if you're just like employee number 5002, you just, no one really, you just move around and you just feel really lost. And I was like, right, if I have some sort of platform or like online presence or something that I own, like a website or even the podcast now, it was almost like, oh, I can never like lose my job. That's and always so I, yours, yeah. So when I think back, I think it was... Yes, it was like confidence and wanting to do it, but it was also wrapped in like a bit of uh, fear, I think. I, for one, I'm so bad at promoting stuff <laughs> that I've done. The best, I, now I'm okay with if I've written an article, sharing the article. That's, that's where you've got to, yeah. I've got to that. But obviously when I went to Edinburgh and I did a show, I had to like retweet praise and um, put all this stuff up and I would feel so hot and sweaty and embarrassed because I would be feeling like, but that's not how I feel today. It makes me look really good, but I actually don't feel good. And I would get messages being like, God, you're smashing it. And I'm like, no, I'm really not. I've just put up the best things. How do you balance that? And do you feel that sometimes? I definitely feel that sometimes. And I, and I, and I love that about you, though, that you can't do anything that's like jarring with how you're feeling. And I think that's to be really respected. I suppose the way I think about it is like, I do categorise it more as a business thing. Like my Instagram page is a way I do make money and that's not to make me sound really heartless but I can separate it out now and be like this is something that I that is a business it Mm. just so happens that I am like the voice of that and the face of that and maybe that's why I can keep it quite professional and not feel bad about self-promoting because at the end of the day if you work really hard on something the only way you're going to get to do more of that is if people know about it yeah and there's this phrase that's like no one's going to find you on like the third page of google and like, I do believe that no one's going to like hunt you out and like come into your flat and be like, where's your novel that's in your drawer? Like you do have to put yourself out there. But I know so many people that find that super difficult. And actually, I've wanted to do more, um, you know, online courses to help people feel better about self-promotion, because I think it's a feminist issue as well. We've yes. been told we've been told not to shout about our achievements for so long. Um so I think, yeah, it's important to discuss it. I said this in a, a job recently that I, I, it just like hit me really, really hard when I was doing the campaign. It's almost like I can't talk about anything apart from the campaign, but it's just because that's where all my like learning happened. I've had at least two conversations with you in the last three years. That I was going to say in a whole life. No, <laughs> no, so. About that. Good. I'm so glad. Um, that, yeah, I realised quite quite quickly during that, that a lot of the men that I was working with in really high positions and in very powerful positions 
weren't actually that great at what they did, but they had just the amazing sense of confidence and being able to talk their way around their work and promote themselves and all this stuff. And how many women do I know who are absolutely brilliant and have amazing ideas and should be going forward and doing the things they love and just don't want to don't want to talk about it and are scared to say that they're good and celebrate themselves and, and feel like someone else should be doing that for them, but they can't do it themselves. And I, do, I definitely think that's gendered for sure. It's also, I think, it's there's one thing going into a room and being and talking confidently and basically blagging it there's another thing being it because with social it's it's like the difference between having a face-to-face conversation where you have to think of a thing immediately or a whatsapp conversation where you can kind of think about how you're going to present it so i suppose Mm. promoting yourself on social media is a great way to start building that confidence in yourself because you can think about it you can have time to go how am i going to put this up rather than like walking and being like here are my ideas listen to the bitch whereas now it's like you can be like oh well um if i so like i found that it's helpful for me to make a silly joke when i am promoting something because it just makes me feel like well at least maybe someone will just be like ah fine (laughs) that's better it makes me feel really powerful when that you know you can do it in your own voice i always say it's like how would you tell your best friend in the pub that you just did a show you are really proud of. You could do it in that voice. Yes, absolutely. Sometimes look at your Instagram stories and there'll be, like, you you are just really putting yourself out there in a way that doesn't feel embarrassing because you're, uh, oh my God, I've used two phrases that I hate because you're owning it. Um, But you are (laughs) owning it and you are putting yourself out there. And that's, and I think anything anyone does with confidence, it's only when people clearly find it excruciating that you feel embarrassed for them <laughs> and you're like Ugh. yeah when they and, and when it's not like authentic or there's not the work isn't behind it and all that stuff but it's so isn't that with you I remember, and also if it's just broadcasting yeah you know completely all it. about yourself because I think the importance of social media really is to build a community or or find a community and what I love about Instagram for example is that we're all promoting each other's work that's what, how I feel I genuinely mm. feel like there's cross promotion going on and it's like you want to grow your platform but you actually want to grow other people's and it's all you don't have to do that much self-promotion if you have a community of people where you're all fighting or going towards the same goal yeah that's so true have you had issues with jealousy people being jealous of how you've presented yourself on social media have you felt jealous as well of other people i have but i've i've always been able to reframe it and i don't want to come across as some like optimistic duracell bunny but I, I get inspired by people a lot. And there's a very fine line between jealousy and inspiration. Mm. So you could look at someone and be like, oh my God, I'm so jealous. I want to do that. But then sometimes I just tweak that thought and be like, wow, I'm so jealous. I really want to do that. Oh, I think I'm going to go and do that. Or yeah. thanks for bringing that to my attention. Because I do believe jealousy is one of the most useful emotions in the whole world. Um, you know, I've written extensively at the moment about knowing that I don't really want children. And it's really interesting because I scroll through Instagram and I see someone like announcing their pregnancy bump to lots of women that can bring huge jealousy because mm. they may be trying to get pregnant, for example. It's a really sensitive issue. But I don't feel any jealousy towards certain things like that. And that just is useful. And then if I stop and scroll and see something that I'm jealous of, like maybe someone's written a play, because I quite, quite want to do that one day, I'll be like, oh, I'm jealous. Mm. and so actually it's just a bit of an arrow to like what oh, you yeah. want telling you that you want that a lot and, yeah. and you can maybe use that as fuel I guess that's the thing isn't it because you get you can get jealous and 
I guess I felt that actually when you came to our house, me and Stevie used to live together, listeners. It was a glorious time. Mm. Um, and you came to our house when we just moved in and I was like homeless, basically. I just got this flat, but I had no job. We were drinking wine. I remember you having this conversation about your jobs and what you were doing. And I remember just feeling like so overwhelmed with jealousy. Like they are doing so much in London, in the big city and they're both so cool. And they like they have someone to talk to about it and have each other's backs. And I remember just sitting on the, on the arm of the sofa and, you guys finished the conversation I was like I'm really jealous and Emma you said you don't need to be and you always think that this was a rude thing to say and it was actually a really helpful thing that I always remember is that you you said you said you don't need to be jealous and upset about this I'm not worried about you as in you're gonna go and do stuff I know you will and I remember that like huge jealousy and then like when you said I'm not worried about you it was like a oh yeah like I could use this to try and do something with myself then when you went on to do everything you've done I felt like I should be more surprised but I was like oh no that's just Gina like doing what she was gonna do like do you know what I mean though I was like (laughs) I I not that we all knew but it's no surprise that you've gone on like I think it was quite obvious that you were gonna do something amazing yeah it was very much was I was gonna say that the type of of things as well affect your jealousy so for example yes career-wise I've really gone out of my way to um, try not to see people having like written a book or got a sitcom or just the things that I'd quite like to do. But then with non-career things, that's when it becomes difficult because things like, you know, like I joke about how whenever I see somebody, I will immediately Google their age and then I'm like, they're 21. Oh, Oh, right. Social media does throw up these things that you actually can't change or use for good. Sometimes it's just, why is that person so pretty? And why is And and they live in a big house and they're really rich and I want to be rich. Like, and and you can't kind of... And on a bad day, that can affect you in a way that on a good day, you could just maybe cast it aside. But on a bad day, like, you'll, that will, it's like, it eclipses everything and you're like, why? I haven't got these things, these things, I haven't done this enough, why haven't I? And that's what social media, like, brains aren't very good at dealing with that because we haven't been served up this many successes by other people quickly all the time but i i don't know why we've always equated success and happiness with like these on paper things like i've met some very depressed people who live in mansions i've met really unhappy people who have like five books out how come we've squashed our imagination down that far to think oh sitcom they're happy forever. You know? Yeah, and doesn't they're not. Yes. Yeah, absolutely doesn't. No. And it's weird because you know they're not, but your brain is still programmed to be like, uh, it's basically capitalism, isn't it? It's like success and money and validation, and then if I don't have that, I'm shit. And you're like, no! Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. So you've got you're on you're on Instagram, um, but you've also like many people who are on Instagram have a personal Instagram just so for you to like put up pictures of your butt and stuff, I guess. But like, <laughs> uh, was there a point that made you decide? Yes, I'd like one just for me and like very close friends now. And what was that point? Oh yeah, I um it, I started that personal account the week that the multi hyphen method came out because I just knew I was going to turn into like mrs promotional lady (laughs) 
and because mm. I really wanted to sell the book. I really the thing is, is I don't want this to sound really cheesy or worthy, but like I I really care about the stuff I'm making, and I really want people to consume it like beyond my own financial like kind of incentives you know what I mean like I actually genuinely mm. have a message that I want people to read and so I was like well I'm gonna I'm gonna go to town really on like spreading this message about how you could carve your own path and start your own career and and so I did the personal one and what I found really interesting is the you know the dopamine rush you get from likes I mm. get more of a dopamine mm. rush from like five of my best friends liking a picture of like me as a kid holding a rabbit than I do of like a thousand people liking a quote I put up. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I can feel and that. I really realise that. I know this sounds bad, but I'm the person who hates social media, so I'm, I'm allowed to say this. It shows the falsity of social media, the fact just by very definition that one will need a personal account to show what they're actually like and a, and a forward-facing account because it is a promotional publishing tool. Yeah, because it's no longer what it was yes. at the beginning. We still think of it as, oh, my, oh, social media is posting pictures of your life, but that's the thing, it isn't anymore. Mm. Like it used to be that for a lot of people it is, but it, for for if you're freelancing, if you have a business, like it's the platform has changed and grown now. So it's like you're taking it back to that original usage with that account that's yeah. personal, which is making quite it, nice. it is weird though that, like you say, Stevie, that we have to split it out because it's morphed into something bigger than ourselves. But I think as well, we, uh, this is maybe just a personal thing. And by the way, I think it is a personal choice. I know so many people that wouldn't need a personal account mm. and a professional account it's just the same but also it's like my best friends don't have to engage with my work yes I wanted a place where I could just like be myself and like post pictures of Paul and everything because I I do have a bit of a barrier up with like some stuff like that it's just a reminder I think that like if you're on Instagram if you're on Instagram and it's your business you shouldn't expect like your friends and family to like follow your work that closely like we don't I don't follow a lot of my friends work do you know what I mean? See, I find this really hard. I've been, I literally have been struggling with this. This is so interesting to say this today because I, the past three days I've been posting about this and thinking about it. I really struggle with this because my work is human yeah. rights stuff. So I, a couple of my friends have said, oh yeah, when I go on your Instagram, like I don't actually look at the stuff that you're writing about, you know, gender or, or like how you feel about whatever or the article you tell me to read. And that really upset me because I was like, if I was still working advertising, I'd be like, well, yeah, of course, you don't need to go and read this piece on this amazing copy ad that I did. But now because my, because my work is about like things I think everyone should know about, I find it so hard to separate that. And I did, I don't think I'd realize yeah. that, but if your job isn't based on your identity or anything, if your job is something else, that is so true that you don't have to engage with someone else's work and to carve out that space where you can look back at that account that you've created, that personal one. And it's like a memories bank. We have three of your posts, uh, and the first one is your first post, which was 19th of March 2012, and it says, I mean, it's not not pure, it says, first tweet from my new blog Twitter page, howdy everyone, that's really cute, first question is, do you still use the word howdy? Um, maybe. <laughs> very, very cute. Did you go on Twitter to promote your blog? Thank you for this, I have to own up to what my old blog was called, and, <gasps> I, and I still get mail with it on. I'm a 31-year-old woman and I still get mail saying, to girl lost in the city. Oh my God, I forgot about that. <laughs> so cute. Yeah, so that's the account I made, at girl lost in the city. And so I actually joined Twitter probably 2008, 2009. Yeah, so I started this new account and I was saying, howdy everyone. 
See, that in itself is ahead of the curve because, like, in 2012, everyone was just like, Twitter, hello, I guess it's me now. And you were already like, well, it'd be good to have a social account that's connected to the blog and it'd be good to have a personal... Like, you've always been, fed, like, ahead of the curve with all that stuff. Yeah, and then I, hou- I hounded Bruce Daisley, who's now a really good friend of mine who worked at Twitter, to get myself verified. I was on, I was on, on that oh path of, like, get me verified. Um, That's amazing. (laughs) For my my crappy blog. Why did you then change? What was your thinking behind that? Changing to Emma Gannon. Yeah, and and going from being a blogger to being an... Like, you Mm. you stopped being a blogger at one point, didn't you, really, basically? Yeah, I think it was just following what was trendy at the time. I mean, it's like growing up as well. I felt like Girl Lost in the City was great when blogs were a thing. Mm. I felt like I really tapped into that kind of blogging uh, industry. But then... And then I wanted to maybe rebrand myself a little bit more as well and just feel like I was growing up. I felt like it was exactly the same as when you have a Hotmail address that's like fluffy chicken 29 And then you're like, no, I should probably be Emma Gannon at Gmail now. Like it was just that. Yeah. But you, when you do a rebrand, Emma, and I know it makes makes you sound like some sort of heartless corporation, but you're not. You're doing it for... Well, you are doing it for heartless corporation reasons, but it's it's good because it's like it's it helps and it supports your 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 career, which is what you're using social media for. What are the things that you do? Like, do you like the picture on your Twitter, the bio? Like, do do, do you look at everything and do you have like do, do you treat it like a business decision? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's similar to what Gina was saying. I think maybe on the last episode or recent interview where. If you work in advertising and you work in marketing, like I used to work for Dove and like some really, really big brands where you would be in meetings (laughs) with like 50 people all discussing what profile picture you're going to pick. And it's like, it's no different really to what they do, but you're doing it for yourself. And obviously you are probably trying to be a bit more human with it, obviously. And that, you know, you're not being as like limited in what you're putting out there, but really it was do I want to line the pockets of a brand or do I want to like line my own in the sense of like that sounds really heartless but Mm. it's not meant to it's just meant to be a freeing decision that means I can just grow my own platform and spread my own message and not have to go through a corporation yeah and there's something so liberating about that I mean I guess that's what all of us who are freelancers are trying to do that's why you take the decision to be freelancers because you want to have ownership over your career way more than you were, were, than you did when you worked in office and whether that's like Stevie not having to wake up at 8am and, and doing your work around your clock or it's like creating your brand and it makes you feel seen and in control and yeah. excited about what you're putting out there it's just having that control must be so liberating It's like with um, what Jamila Jamil's been doing with I Weigh you know, she's got a team of people now and it's like a website, newsletter and podcast. And it's like, that's no different from like when we worked at the debrief. Mm. It's just that it's coming from a human. And I do think we're in a new era now, I suppose. It's been coming for a while where Mm. we don't want a faceless logo telling us what to do anymore. Mm -hmm. And people can probably find many problematic reasons why human beings shouldn't be brands either. But I think I'd rather it the way around it is now where... I can sign up to someone's newsletter or podcast and, like, know that it's them making the decisions and Mm. not, like, some man in a suit. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. So, second post is your... Worst post. Emma, you tweeted on the 8th of October 2012. So, actually, quite early... Uh, still day one of my post-holiday detox one vanilla cupcake and one banana bread and one brownie hashtag fuck fuck (laughs) 
You chose that as your, your worst post. Why? This one just stood out to me as something that really, really jars with like 2020 mm. me, which is I would never go on to social media and broadcast how guilty I was feeling about like something I ate. I think I'm much more aware now of A, how triggering that could be to someone mm. else. But also it's just so alien to how I live my life now. I would never think about detoxing. If I got any email from any brand telling me to detox, I would tell them to like do one. And so maybe I just picked it for that reason of like, it felt a bit icky. I, I found a tweet that was on my account that was almost to the letter with that your tweet, Emma. It was literally the same. It was like, why when I tell myself I'm going to have a healthy week of eating, have I just consumed listing food? Mm. I've really fucked up or something like that. And it's just like, I think in my head, I thought if I put it out there, it's like I'm holding myself accountable. But I was holding myself accountable. It's like a really damaging shit problematic idea. And therefore other people were then reading it. But I think mm. we've all done that because that period of time was very bad for how but we But it's still happening now. You can still, yeah. if you search different like, we know when you go in that explore feature on Instagram, I don't know why, but all of mine are either seals or really strident fitness people being like, mm. these snacks are good, these snacks are bad. And you're like, I thought, I thought we'd progressed beyond that because I have in my brain, but the, people are still struggling with it. So it's just, it's not, I think what's good, Emma, is that obviously like you, the fact that you wouldn't tweet that now shows that we're all kind of, there's a movement towards being a bit kinder and a bit more thoughtful about what, how your tweets will be seen by other people. That era of Twitter was like, you just tweeted any old thing that came into your head. And now I think I'm much more considered and I genuinely ask myself, like, does anyone need to know this before I tweet it? And your best post um, that you have proffered for a thing. I'm looking to speak to a range of women who have zero desire to have kids, in brackets, by choice, who might talk to me. Please reply or slide into one's DMs. Thank you. I think we like this one because it goes on to something so much bigger as well, doesn't it? Yes, I like it. Why, so why, why did you pick this one? Yeah, this was a hard one when you said pick your best tweet because I, I didn't know how to like quantify what best meant really. But some of my best tweets, I would say, are like tweets that I put out there on a whim because I may be researching for an article or maybe a blog post or a podcast or something. And then it kind of takes on a life of its own. And I know that um, in the past, like, Stevie, you've said about, you know, comedy and how you don't want to give away your best jokes, but you also feel like maybe you can kind of get a bit of a test or like a crowdsource feeling mm. of, did this joke land or is this interesting? And so I do that for my writing sometimes where I think if something is interesting, you can tell with the engagement that it gets. And yeah, with this tweet asking for child-free women to get in touch with me, um, I got 200 replies in like a few hours and then I got another 200 DMs and then I got like loads of emails in my inbox and I just realised that this wasn't an article, this should be a book mm. and then I thought this should be a novel mm. and so that's turned into my, my debut novel, Olive. And I would just say it's my best tweet because I couldn't, I could not land on, on an idea for the novel and so this tweet helped. But yeah, I, um, I followed up with 50 women. I didn't pick them for any other reason than they were just like the first 50. And then I interviewed them on email and I, I sent them all a free copy of Olive. Oh, that's lovely. Because I'm just obsessed with them all. And they opened their heart to me for no reason other than they wanted to. And yeah, it's weird. I feel like I've made like a little crew of new friends um, from interviewing them. So... 
And the fact that a book can come from a tweet is so great. I've seen, a friend of mine did a a very funny thread about Jurgen Klopp, the Liverpool manager, about how much she fancies him. She got a book deal off the back of it and is writing the book now. Oh my God. And that blows my mind. So like tweets and things for creative people now, even if you don't have like shitloads of followers. But even the hundred, the hundred people, someone once said to me and it like changed my mindset. They said, you know, I get asked all the time, oh, I don't have a big following, so how do I do stuff? Or how people won't see what I care about. And it's like, if you had a room and a hundred people were in it, standing there in silence waiting to hear what you had to say, that would feel huge. So like exactly, you, can, idea, you yeah. can take like even if it was a hundred people, there'd be people in in that hundred that wanted to share their stories with you, like they did with you, Emma, and like look what that can do. Yeah, exactly, and that's why you know retweeting is incredible. It's literally like those a hundred people telling a friend. Yeah, mm. not even that, telling ten friends, telling a hundred friends. So it's like ideas can spread very easily. And I guess the point of this as well for me is that I don't really believe that you should be protective over your ideas. Mm. Like I just think put it out there, see what happens. Obviously, don't, like, go into detail if you're planning to do something specific, but put it out there a little bit and test the water. And I've got quite a few magazine commissions recently off a tweet. Um, You know, someone, like an editor of a magazine being like, oh, I saw that tweet. Do you want to write about it? So I think it's worth putting a bit out there if you can. Totally agree. Very helpful. At the end of each podcast, we play a game called Follow, Unfollow, Block. And we thought we'd do Follow, Unfollow, Block with you with three different things, but with your three books. So you have to decide if you want to follow, unfollow or block them. So control or delete the multi-hyphen method and Olive. Which one would you follow, unfollow and which one would you block? Oh, my God. This is literally like making me pick my favourite child. Yes. If you had children, I would also do that. (laughs) I would probably block Control Alt Delete. <gasps> Seminal. I love that book, but it is a book I'll never ever read again. It's about it, I don't your want to go life. Back there. It's about your. So anyone listening, it's about um, Emma's life growing up online in an online world, and it's like autobiographical, but it's also very, very, very relatable. Anyone who's been on MSN, oh my god, and uh, had an MSN boyfriend will be able to relate. <laughs> yeah, and it's about you know ex boyfriends and the highs and the lows of of like my teenage life online so I'm, I'm happy to like block it and, it happened and leave it in the past yeah. mm. okay it happened and it led to my podcast so I'll mm-hmm. always be grateful for that book but I'm happy to block it I would probably unfollow the multi-hyphen method because again it it really served a period of my life but I don't really need to like remind myself of what's in that book anymore like I'm just living it mm. and also you know I'm I'm in a bit of a career pivot like I really want to write novels and yeah like explore new ways of being creative and telling stories and telling fictional stories it's I am the multi-hyphen method like it's within (laughs) me so I don't need to follow it and I would follow Olive of course. Imagine if you blocked your current novel that you're writing. That'd be insane. You're on your third novel and absolutely spitting with jealousy. <laughs> Talking of jealousy before, CV's popping mad. I mean, good mad. luck to anyone who wants to get new ideas right now. Just, oh, my God, uh, Just, yeah. look, do a tweet and then do a book. Guys, come on. I do, I really, I really um, recommend using Twitter to get ideas. Yeah, that's, that's some good really advice, good I've never, genuinely. I've honestly, I've not thought about that. Well, Stevie, you can do a book on bread with your viral bread tweet. Thank you so much, Emma, for coming in. Not coming in. We're doing this in lockdown. Thank you so much for looking at your computer screen. It's been lovely Thank to have you. you. Thank you so much for having me. I love this podcast. It's so fun. And, 
yeah, all the other episodes have been so fun to listen to. So I'm honoured. Well, I'm honoured you think that. Please go and listen to Emma's podcast, Control Alt Delete, where she has every single person you could imagine on the planet interviewing. Um, and they're such great interviews. It's just, like it's, it's so varied as well, which is brilliant. There's always something in there. Um, you can follow Emma on Twitter at Emma Gannon and Instagram at Emma Gannon UK. <laughs> um, there's a subtle difference. And uh, yeah, I mean, she's basically like your, big, your business big sister and uh, her novel... Olive is out now. Go and get it. It's brilliant. Do follow us at Might Delete Later Pod on Instagram and Might Delete Pod on Twitter and email us any guests that you'd like to see on, on the podcast at mightdeletelaterpod at gmail.com. And look, just subscribe. Give us a nice review if you enjoyed it. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? That'd be so nice. And also, just remember, social media can be an amazing tool for your business or for self-promotion. All self-promotion and living online may make you break out in a cold sweat. That's fine too. That's totally fine. However you feel about it. If it starts making you feel bad, you can always take a break. Or you can control-alt-delete later. See what I did there? Very good. Bye! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.